night, visiting with your family. If you will, pray for this poor, pitiful Baptist preacher that God will help him preach this morning. And uh, I hope you will. All right? Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, once again we come before your sacred presence. Thanking you for this great privilege and opportunity that you have given to us. Lord, we are not worthy, but you are worthy to be praised. And was to praise into our whole hearts today. I thank you for this church, Lord, for this great people, for this great congregation. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that dwells among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is up, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I pray, O oh God, as you are here with us, we have the assurance because you promise that when we meet, we will be in the midst of blessing to do it waiting so good. And I praise you, O oh God, for you are here with us, and we are so grateful, O oh God. We, we have nothing else to do but to praise you. Help us to praise you with our whole heart. And those of us who gather here this morning, Lord, I pray, O oh God, that you will bless our hearts today with the word that you will send for us. Uh, we are hungry for your word, Lord. Your word declares that they that are hungry and thirsty after righteousness will be filled. And God, oh, we thank you for the opportunity that we can be filled with your spirit till we be lost in your love. Oh, today, Lord, how we present this man of God before you. God, I pray that thou will just hide him behind, oh God, and you go in front and pave the way and grant to us victory, because there is victory in Jesus. I pray to bless the word of God and let our heart rejoice in your salvation. God, in us, I pray thee. And, oh, God, touch him again. Oh, God, touch him today again. Touch him, oh, God, that we, oh, God, will be a blessing as you have blessed him. Lord, we leave him now in your hands, Lord. Mold him into a vessel of honor in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We thank you. Lord, we just praise you now. Let the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be accepted in thy sight, O oh, Lord, my strength, my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, preacher. God bless you. You can have a seat, congregation. Thank you so much. The story in this uh, context here is about the prodigal son. I want you, if you will, please, this morning, just to look at these verses as I talk to you and preach three simple truths out of this story this morning. This boy had it made at home. How many of you believe that? Say amen. He had it made at home, but like most of us, we think the grass is always greener on the side we have not traveled. He thought maybe it might be too. Instead of fertilizing our own ground, we look around and we want to purchase new property. Am I right about it? Uh, and instead of remodeling and reviving where we are, we want to relocate. Amen. But look out, there are hog lots everywhere. This boy demanded a split of the inheritance with his brother 
and he got what he wanted. I don't know that he wanted what he got, but he got what he wanted. Then he got it all together, piled everything around him, and the Bible says he took a journey into a country far away, thinking he could leave the burdens behind, all the hassles behind, and all the problems. But I have found out just moving location does not do it in the heart of a man. But it didn't take long for him, and it doesn't take long for us to waste it all. Mm -hmm. Live it up, if you will. There's time for it. And the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. But that season will come to an end. And we call the end of that season rock bottom. He hit rock bottom. His problem was not the far country. His problem was not the lack of money. His problem was not hogs and slop. His problem was the memory of a full house behind him. He's having to live with the thought in nothing, with the thought he had it all. I got to say that again. He's having to live down in the hog lot. He's having to live away from the presence of his father with the memory of how it used to be. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And when he came to himself, verse 17, this is just another way of saying he changed his mind. His mind began to change. Right here is where I want to give you the title, and I want to preach on this subject. Tell the devil I changed my mind. Just tell the devil I changed my mind. There's not anything wrong necessarily with you being human. You're going to make some wrong choices. Am I right about it? You're going to do some things that's imperfect because you are imperfect. And you're going to go to some places you should not go to. You're going to go with people you should not be with. And there's going to, go, there's going to be times when you're going to squander everything you got while you're there. But I'm going to tell you, it's not wrong necessarily to find yourself to be human. It is wrong when you allow yourself to continue to fail in your situation as a human. God does not let trouble come our way so we can enjoy it. God doesn't let trouble come our way so we can revel in it. He lets trouble come our way so we can look up to Him who is the God of fullness. The God of fullness. And then He begins to work in our lives. I want you to see three truths in the story. Three truths that this boy changed his mind because of them. The first one, he changed his mind because of the loss that he was enduring. The loss that he was enduring when he had spent all, when everything that he had was gone, he started changing his mind. Verse 14 tells us that. His loss is now on his mind. What was the loss 
that he was enduring has, has now become a prevalent problem and a difficult situation. But outside of the loss and outside of the lack that he's experiencing, he's now hung up on this thing of living with the, without the presence of a father who was good to him. He's beginning to miss the meals they took together. He's beginning to miss the nightly talks that they had together. He's beginning to miss the working together. He's beginning to miss the walks they took together. You see, the problem that he's got down in this far country is his loss. It's making him think about the loss of the presence of his father. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to say something to you. The greatest thing about the Christian life is not heaven. The greatest thing about the Christian life is not baptism. The greatest thing about the Christian life is not that you get to give your money into the economy and watch God bless the fire out of you. The most important thing about the Christian life is not necessarily the friends that you gain around you while you're living the Christian life. The most important thing about the Christian life is when you say, I'm sorry, I'm a gut and rot gut sinner, and I need Christ, the Father, the Holy Ghost comes into your life, and the Spirit of God possesses you, and you now have the presence, the presence of the Father. How many of you remember when you got saved? <laughs> Hallelujah. That night, remember that night if it was at night? Uh, you remember that night when you went home and tried to sleep and you slept somewhere between the mattress and the ceiling? I remember the night that I got saved. All of a sudden I was washed from head to toe. All of a sudden, I didn't have an ounce of Bible knowledge, but I knew something biblically had happened to me. I did not know about heaven. I didn't know nothing about hell. I didn't know nothing about preaching. I didn't know nothing about praying. I didn't know nothing about the characteristics of the Christian life, but I knew something about the Christ of the Christian life. And Jesus had moved into my life. And praise God, all of a sudden, I had me a brand new companion. All of a sudden, my mouth started talking right and cussing wasn't coming out of it. All of a sudden, my mind started to think, go to church, read the Bible, pray. All of a sudden, I started hanging around people who were sober. I started hanging around people who weren't junkies. I started hanging around people uh, who weren't addicts. I started hanging around people who were worth something instead of worthless. All of a sudden, God started letting people come around me. I didn't dream existed. But hey, the reason that happened was they was drawn magnetically to the power of the person that possessed me. I want to tell you something about the loss that you endure when you leave home and leave God and go do it your way. The loss that you endure... And the loss that comes on you is not necessarily no money, not necessarily no friends, not necessarily no companions. The problem is no father. The absence of the father begins to be a problem. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. What? This verse of Scripture reads like this. Do what? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? You don't have one Bible verse that God walks hand in hand with you. There ain't one. It's Baptist tradition. I hold his hand. Did you know you can turn hands loose? Not one verse that says he holds hands. The Bible does say you're in his hand, but I don't think that's holding hands. My God and I walk side by side together. That's not biblical. 
No, you can't find a verse. You can't go find me a verse and come here tonight. Let me let you preach on that. You don't have a short son. Because he doesn't hold hand with believers. He doesn't put his arm around believers. He may touch you. He may, he may have the opportunity to bless you, and you may sense his presence. But the Bible says he lives in you. He lives in you. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? You don't hold hands with the temple. You go in it. That you go in with the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God, not in your hand, not around your neck, but in your body and in your spirit. Am I right about it? Now here's the problem with going to the hog lot and leaving the present. <clears throat> you got to deal with the Father away from the house. <laughs> Just because, listen to me. Somebody says, well, I believe that you lose your salvation. You wish you lose your salvation if you leave home. Because when you walk away from home and the Holy Spirit lives in you, now you have the Spirit of the Father reminding you of the Father that you had at home. And now you can't get happy in the pool room. Now you can't get happy in the beer joint. Now you can't get happy. You used to do the boot scooting boogie and the jitterbug hop and all that stuff, and you had it down, and whoo! I mean, you were slick as Vaseline. <laughs> but you go back to that same crowd now, and you have a companion with you that is not going to leave you because now the Holy Ghost is in there. The power of God is present. You cannot, listen, you cannot unplug from the Holy Spirit and go do what you want to. Now you got the memory of how it used to be. <laughs> this old boy got down there and he got his, he started collecting all his losses. He said, I ain't got no money. The friends I got are not worth having. But the most important thing is I can't shake the spirit of the absence of my father. He came to himself and said, just tell the devil, I've changed my mind. Home wasn't near as bad as I thought it was. Home wasn't near as awful as I thought it was. You may wander a long way off. You may take everything you have with you. You may kiss the place goodbye. You may cop an attitude on the way out. But you can't shake the memory of the presence of God, your Father. I promise you this, if you've ever been saved, you're still saved. And the Father lives in you. And you may go play the fool, but I'll guarantee you, you never will be happy. Good God Almighty, you never will be happy thinking about where you left. Didn't mean to get so happy. That's about like to do in Jamaica. Amen. I don't want to insult my brother, but get used to it. How many of you ever heard Mays Jackson preach on the radio? God, you know what the sad thing is? How many? Let me see your hands again. Let me see. Heard Mays Jackson. That's not a hundred people. One of the greatest preachers that ever lived. You're drunk, hoeing around, playing the fool. A giant. hundred people in a fundamental church for this many folks. Old Mays Jackson used to 
get on the radio and he'd, he'd preach to them truckers. I preached with him several times and was in meetings many times when he'd get up and preach like a wild man. He was in a little north Georgia town just north of Lawrenceville and went into, with the preacher into to a hardware store to get some hardware and he tells this story. He said, the man behind the counter said, aren't you Mays Jackson? He said, yes, sir. He said, I sure am. He said, and what is your name? And he told him. He said, Brother Mays, I have tapes of you, and I've listened to you preach for years. He said, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Wasn't anybody in the hardware store, not a soul, except the preacher, Mays Jackson, and another attendant that was in the back, and this guy that was running, that owned the store that was running the cash register. They came up there and got what they wanted, and he laid it on the counter and told him how much, and he paid him. And the man said, Brother Mays, have you got a minute? He said, Yes, sir. He said, What do you need? He came out from behind the counter, went to the front door, and pulled down two shades and turned his little open sign to close. He went back and got behind the counter. He said, I left God, walked out of God's will, went away from the Lord, got completely in my own way, done as I pleased and grieved the Holy Spirit, ended up in the hardware business. He said, but for 12 years, I preached the gospel. He said this. He said, would it bother you if I preached just a minute? Maze Jackson said, help yourself, brother. He took out from under the counter, not an account book, not a financial book, not any records of hardware, but he pulled his Bible out. Maze Jackson said this. He said, preacher, that man who could not get away from the presence of his father and the thought of his heavenly host opened up that Bible and for about ten minutes preached the best sermon I ever heard on the love of God. He said, I shouted, the man shouted, the preacher shouted. We just left the door locked and shouted over the fact that God was good. Said the man led in prayer, put his Bible back down there, went over and left the shades up, turned the sign around, and went back to work. And Mays Jackson said, he, the preacher and I left and got in the car. I looked over at him. He said, for ten minutes this morning, you witnessed a man trying to get over the absence of the presence of God. I want to tell you something. It is a lose-lose situation when you go to the hog lot because you don't leave the Father. You take the memory of His fullness to the hog lot with you. This old boy got down there and saw, started counting his losses. He looked at one of those old boys in that beard joint. He said, I'm not going to hang around here any longer. If y'all see him, tell the devil. I've changed my mind. I ain't getting along in this place real good. There's another truth. I want you to see it. Number two, it's the labor that I'm exerting. Not only the loss that I'm enduring, but God just keeps bearing down on him. The labor 
that I'm enduring, verses 15 and 16, this boy is living with a memory. It's a haunting memory. It's the memory of the absence of his father. So he tries to make the best of it. He goes for a job interview uh, down at the unemployment office, and they send him to the stockyard, and they send him to the field to feed hogs. And there's just two things that I see here. First of all, his energy, and second of all, his emptiness. This boy feeds out of his energy, but he's a Jew boy. And his nature is not to feed hogs. His upbringing taught him against hogs. He's not a hog person. He's not a ham sandwich man. He's a Jew boy who grew up in an Orthodox Jewish home, in an Orthodox Jewish farm, with an Orthodox Jewish dad. And he was, it was not his nature to mess with pigs. It was not his nature to slop hogs. It was not his nature to keep them alive. It was his nature to reject them. He was messing with something that was against his nature. When you get saved, you get a new nature. When you get saved, you get the nature of God empowered into your spirit. And all of a sudden, it's not your way, but God's way. It's not my way, but God's way. God's Holy Spirit comes into your life. And all of a sudden, you're heavenly hooked. You have a plug in the glory and the power of God is a base. Huh. The Bible teaches us that the labor was not his nature to labor with hogs. And I want to tell you something, Sunday school attender. I want to tell you something, Victory Baptist Church member. It is not your nature to play around in the dark hell holes of this city. It is not your nature, if you're born again, to play the fool. It's not your nature to mess around in these places of ill repute. It is not your nature. If God, I said if God, if God has saved you and the power of God rests in you, God has put confidence in you, and God expects out of you the investment He puts in you, and God wants us to go with our nature, not against I got saved on the third Sunday night in September. <clears throat> Did I ever tell you about it? The third Sunday night in September, 1968. I used to run around, around with a boy named Henry Dye. His daddy owned Dye Feed and Seed on the corner of 13th or whatever it is, and uh, Fenwick Street or Jenkins Street, whatever that little street is that runs there. He had a little feed and seed store on the corner for years. I ran around with his boy. On that third Sunday night, I got somebody else to run around with. <clears throat> he wasn't a boy. He was much a man. And his name's Jesus. On that Monday and Tuesday, I got saved on Sunday. The next night, if not the next, the next. It was either Monday or Tuesday. He and about three other boys came by the house. They had the coolers in the back seat. They had a mapped out strategy and a plan for the night. And most of it was going to be taken up with hell raising. They came to the door. And for the first time, in my life, I felt bad about talking to him about going. I, ha I had no idea that people did not party all the time. I had no idea that life wasn't just a whole lot of foolishness and tomfoolery. 
I had no idea that church folk really lived it at any given time. I had no idea what had happened to me. But I did not learn in church what had happened to me alone. I learned on my front porch something had happened to me. He came and said, get the back seat, booger. We're going to party. Something went through me like a knife when he said that. And out of my mouth, before I could even say anything, I said, I can't go. What do you mean you can't go? Is it your wife? I said, well, partly. Yeah, that's some of it, and I'm busy, and I didn't want to tell them I've got religion. That's about all I knew about it. I ain't been saved just a few hours. I didn't know what to say. They said, all right, maybe another time. I said, uh, maybe. I said, I don't know. I'll, I'll call you. Backed in the house and shut the door. And I asked Diane. And she looked at me funny. What's wrong with you? I said, I don't know. I said, that church thing must be taken. It was down around Thursday or Friday. It could have been Saturday evening. I have now already got me a Bible, a Thompson chain reference. One of them kind can't nobody find out how to use it. I done got me a Thompson chain. When you open it in the kitchen, it flaps out in the living room too. They came knocking on the door, and I went to the door. I said, Henry, what's going on? He said, come on, man. It's on at the lake. We're going to get down. I can tell some of y'all know what that means. We're going to get wet. Come on. Come on, brother. And there I stood. I've been to three church services. Two of them I got under conviction. One of them I got saved in the Sunday night. I've been to, I've been to service Three times after that had revival at the church, I went to services the other three nights, and I have found out, I asked the preacher about that little ordeal on the front porch, and he said, that's the Holy Ghost telling you that ain't for you no more. Oh, Henry said, let's go. I said, the Holy Ghost said he ain't for it no more. He said, what? I said, the Holy Ghost said he ain't for it no more. I got to go back in here now. We're going, booger, come on. I said, he ain't for it no more. Me neither. Bam. Last time I ever seen him. Hadn't seen him since. That I know of. He went, got in the car, and turned around and said something like this. Booger has lost it. I don't know what he said, but it was stupid. Let's get out of here. And they went, and so did I. Ever since then, 36 years ago, I've been steady enjoying the Lord. What I was really doing was telling them to tell the devil I have changed my mind, and I ain't going back. So where I come from, 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is a laborious process to live backslidden. I got a verse. I got a Bible. Verse. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. Let me say this. It's double hard for a saved transgressor. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but you need to grab back during this invitation and holler real, real loud, Devil! I've changed my mind. Devil! I've changed my mind. I ain't rocking and rolling with you anymore. I'm not playing the fool with you no more. Hey, devil, I've changed my mind. Your losses that you've endured, then the labor that you're exerting, Notice his energy, and then notice his emptiness. No matter what he did, he was empty as the hogs he was feeding. I want to read you one verse. We'll just take this one, son. It says, Matthew 11, 28 and 29, Come unto me, all ye that labor. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Wonderful promise this morning. If you'll just tell the devil you changed your mind, tell the devil to get off your back. Tell the devil to take a hike. Tell the devil you're done with it. Tell the devil that crowd you've been running with ain't made you happy at all. I don't know how your days were at church, but I can tell you mine are this way. My worst day in the house of God beats the fire out of my best day in the house of the devil. I think I'll tell Jesus, yes, and tell the devil I've changed my mind. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. For my yoke is easy. And my, uh, my, for my, uh, I'm meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest for your soul. <laughs> Number one, he looked at his losses. He said, I ain't going to keep losing. Y'all tell the devil, I'm changed my mind. Number two, He's laboring for nothing except emptiness. He looks at them pigs and says, they're eating better than I am. And he got to thinking about that family and that, that fullness that he left back at the house. He looked at them hogs. He said, hogs! <coughs> hogs! Hogs! When y'all see the devil, and you will, tell him I changed my mind. Throw this bucket in. He said, I ain't feeding you. No more. I sat in the Waffle House about three weeks ago by myself coming home from a meeting about 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm talking about the pillars of society come out at the Waffle House at 2 o'clock in the morning. You can meet the next president of the United States in the Waffle House at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I was sitting there, and there's a guy come in and sit down, rag-tagged looking, I, his bl eyes bloodshot, he was probably smoking crack and everything else. He was sitting two, two booths down from me, and I was sitting there eating and just trying to stay awake long enough to get home. And as it always happens, that boy honed in on, he just, he just honed in on me. And I'm sitting there eating, I looked up at him, and I knew if I said anything, I'd either have to take him home with me, or I'd spend the night with him. And God is my witness. He looked straight at me. He said, what are you looking at? That's exactly what I told him. I said, somebody who wishes it was different than how it really is. That's who I'm looking at. He just dropped his head and didn't say nothing. I said, won't you come down here and eat with me? Wouldn't come at first. I kept, kept sitting there, and he kept leaving to look up every once in a while. 
looked down in a few minutes. I, I really done forgot about the guy and just had decided I was fixing to leave. And here he come. He come down there and sat down. He said, what are you talking about? How do you know what I want? I said, because I can look at you and tell you don't have nothing. You wish you had something. You're empty. I don't know what you've been doing, your foolishness, but it's been foolishness that you've been doing. And I want to tell you something. You don't have to smoke that dope. And you don't have to live like the devil. And you don't have to run with people who do. There's a person. I know a person. A person. There's an agency. I know an agency that can help you. The person is Jesus, and the agency is a place of salvation. You can get some help. You don't have to live like that. I never will forget what he didn't get saved. I didn't get no further with him. He cut me off. Here's what he told me. He said, do you think I live like this because I want to? He said, do you think I act like this because I want You think I want to look like this? You think I want to act like this? You, want, you think I want somebody to look at me and say what you said? I said, well, why do you do it? you got a choice. You don't have to. He said, oh, yes, I do. He said, I do what I do because when I'm not doing it, I'm thinking about what I used to do. I said, tell me about what you used to do. He said, I used to have a wife. And somewhere I got some kids. And I used to go home. He got up and said, you don't know nothing about what I'm talking about and never will. And I thought to myself, how true. And the whole way out, here's what he was saying. There ain't no way in the world that I can live straight and live with what I was. Walked out of that Waffle House, would have had went outside and picked up some kind of knapsack and went around the corner in the dark. You know what he was saying? I got to stay drunk and stay alive because I can't live with the thought of what I gave up. You know what he should have done? He should have hollered, Hey, y'all, you see the devil, tell him I changed my mind. <laughs> Give God praise and glory if you're glad. God let you change your mind. <laughs> Number three, not only the loss that I'm enduring caused him to change his mind, the labor that he was exerting caused him to change his mind, but the longing, the longing that he was experiencing. He said, how many hired servants has my father got in the house? What's going on at the house? He's living with the memory. He said, I can't take this longing any longer. The longer he stayed away, the greater the longing was to return. He said, I won't take this any longer. Y'all just tell the devil I've changed my mind. I'm going to fall out before my daddy and just tell him I'm sorry. And I've changed my mind. Oh, he may not speak to me, but I'll be home. He may turn away from me, but I'll be home. He may reject me and have nothing to do with me, but I'll be home. He may have no room for me, but I'll be at the house. I tell you what, he may not receive me. I'll just go home and work in the field. Hey, y'all, he turned around and announced to the far country, Tell the devil I changed my mind. And he started back to the house. And you know the story. When he got there, he found everything in the world present as it could be. <laughs> there was a young boy. I'll tell you a story and quit. A young boy 
in his teenagers had a not in his teenage years had a knockdown drag out fight with his with his daddy and spilled over to his mother. He was a late teenager, almost in his twenties, and he left home, took everything he had, turned around, cussed and swore and, and left. He was up in his mid thirties, almost in his forties. Whenever he just got this longing in his heart to go home. A longing to go back and try to fix what he tore up. For years they had not heard from him, and for years he had not heard from them. It was back yonder when train transportation was the main way to travel, and the boy got him a ticket, and as fate would be, he sat down in a seat next to a preacher. I was told this for a true story. He sat down next to the preacher, not knowing that he was a pastor. Coming home from a meeting, the boy sat there in anticipation. And the preacher noticed he was nervous. He said, son, what's going on in your life? What's got you so perturbed and upset? He said this. He said, years ago, I cussed my daddy. Years ago, I left my mama in a pool of her own tears standing on the porch of a clapboard house. And I, I went out into my far country to do my thing. And he said, I've got this longing to make things right with my family. He said, I wrote, Mama, and I wrote Daddy a letter, and I told him that I was going to come home. And I told him about the time that I was coming, and he said, I... I told Daddy if he wanted me and would receive me and would love me and would, would forgive me to tie a ribbon on an old tree not far from the house where I used to swing as a kid. He said, I didn't know if Daddy would be there, but I knew that old tree would be. He said that we're not far from the house. And he said, the closer I get, the more anxious I am to know if there's a ribbon on that tree. The old preacher said, would you swap with me and let me look? He said, I'll, I'll look out the window for you. And you won't have to worry about it. boy said, would you? He said, I sure would. They swapped seats, and the old preacher started looking out the window. Now he's done got involved in this boy's life. And the boy said, we're going to come up on a store in three or four houses. He said, my daddy's house about two miles. He said, that tree going to be about a mile past that second half. <laughs> that old preacher's eyes got real big when they got close. He said, Lord God, son, you ain't going to believe it. He said, I see a yellow ribbon on, a, on the corner of a house. I see ribbons on a tree. He said, I see ribbons on a big tree. He said, everything you tie a ribbon on, they got ribbons all over everything. He said, let me see. He got it, climbed over the preacher and looked out, and everything as far as you can see was just ribbons tied on trees and ribbons tied on the porch corner and ribbons tied on everything. <laughs> he said when he got to the station and got off the train, he said there stood an old bewildered man and a woman full of wrinkles and a heartache. He said the boy got off and introduced his friend to him as they all embraced and hugged. And that boy spent the rest of his days 
in his longing to go home. I want to tell you something. If you're saved, your father misses a fire out of you. And the Holy Ghost is so tired of your rejection. I want to tell every one of you, if you're wondering on this journey, if he'll take you back. God at the ribbons. I see down on the tree. Lord at the ribbons. I see on the porch. And the Father standing at the dock. Just waiting on you to receive him. Why don't you come home this morning? Why don't you trust him today? Why don't you give him your heart? Why don't right now we just decide to tell the devil, I've changed my mind. Our Father, thank you. Thank you.